The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the topic for today is, uh, as a third talk in this refuge series, is uh, refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha as the external refuge. Yesterday I talked about the internal refuge, uh, finding the Buddha, Dharma, the Sangha, what those qualities represent and qualities within ourselves. And... uh, but also, uh, more classically in Buddhism, the conventional idea of refuge is in the Buddha himself, historical Buddha, in the Dharma, which has a variety of meanings, wh- what that is, but one meaning is the teachings and practices of the Buddha. And the Sangha refers uh, sometimes to the monastic community, sometimes refers uh, more essentially uh, to those people, monastic and lay, who have experienced some degree of awakening, some degree of becoming freer, some inner maturity, spiritual maturity. And here in the West, we tend to expand the meaning of a Sangha, sometimes to be everyone that we practice with. And occasionally people in the West talk about all beings are a Sangha, which I think is a beautiful idea. And... um, and sometimes the external sangha, uh, external refuge, is one that uh, is very strongly connected to two things. It can be very strongly connected to people's deep inner faith, a deep sense of inspiration, of trust, of, um, of um, confidence. It could also be related to, um, uh, to you see, start seeing in the world beyond oneself, um, examples of what makes the, the world and the living in the world meaningful or gives it a sense of purpose or gives it a kind of orientation um, so we know what we're doing, where we're going. And um, so uh, I'll say more about that, but an uh, important part of uh, this refuge uh, is not is action, Buddha said uh, our actions are our refuge. But um, to have a sense of what this life is about, what we can act on or do or choose, that leads to greater uh, 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 freedom and alleviation of suffering for ourselves and for others. So the external refuge. Um, I imagine uh, that if I met the Buddha... um, and you know, I was walking. You know, somehow he was alive today. That maybe I wouldn't use the word refuge because it's kind of a Buddhist word, especially before I became a Buddhist. Um, uh, I would have used words like if I met this person and s- saw this, you know, s- can feel what this person was about and heard those teachings. That uh, it would have inspired a tremendous inspiration in me a tremendous um, sense of um, recognition of here was something 
really valuable and good. Here was a goodness or a, or um, an example of a possibility of how to live, which is a worthwhile thing to pursue. That this is something, this is a person who represents uh, how I would like to be or how I would like to move towards and become like this. And I might say that I had a lot of trust in this person, I had a lot of faith in this person, I was inspired by this person. I might also say that uh, uh, I, was, uh, I saw that person as an example of what I could become. And, uh, and in that there would be kind of a heartfeltness or a joy uh, in seeing this possibility in, in someone else. And so in the ancient world, people use the language of sadhana, refuge, for all those feelings that might happen when they encounter the Buddha. And um, the most common description in the ancient suttas for people who uh, met the Buddha and then heard his teachings and then uh, decided to go for refuge uh, was the statement here. Magnificent, magnificent, Master Gotama, the Buddha, the Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gotama, as though he were turning upright what has been turned upside down, setting straight, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms, we go for refuge in Master Gotama and to the Dhamma and to the monastic community. Let Master Gotama remember us as lay followers from today, uh, uh, from today, having gone for refuge for life. So it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's repeated over and over again in the sutta, so it's a little bit of a formulaic. Someone kind of came up with this, but. Um, it's kind of inspiring, this idea that how the totality of it and the meaning, the impact it's had. In ancient India at the time of the Buddha, people were already going for refuge, uh, not in the Buddha, but before him. The ancient texts do talk about a triple refuge. And the triple refuge back then were uh, three of the Brahmanical or Indic gods of the time, Indra, Prajapati, and, um, and the god of death. And somehow uh, this idea of refuge, was all, triple refuge, was already there in India. So people are already predisposed. And so that's when they came to the Buddha that, you know, this is something that they were, you know, were kind of the culture set up that this is what they do. And um, we have no, instru- no examples anywhere that the Buddha instructed people to go for refuge in the Buddha Dharma and the Sangha. People did it in his presence, and he assented in silence. And that's a kind of a, you know, how to read that silence uh, and what his relationship to all this is, uh, is a little bit, you know, interpretive, I suppose. But um, what we do find the Buddha emphasizing, as I've been saying these days, is the internal refuge, finding refuge in oneself and and in the practice we do, in the practice of mindfulness, seeing that as a refuge. But he did, in his silent ascent, allow people to go for refuge. And, um, and so I guess he approved of it.
But I think that uh, for many of us, this idea of uh, one of the ways that refuge works for many people is that something inside of us uh, is moved by these external refuge. Something inside recognizes the truth of it or recognizes ourself in that. That somehow what the Buddha is, what the Dharma really is, uh, what the Sangha is, the example of people who have practiced deeply, somehow resonates, moves, touches those things in ourselves. Sometimes we only see in the external, we, we sometimes first see in the external world a possibility for a different way of living. See it in the example of other people uh, or in teachings we read that really inspire us and then we find it in ourselves. The first Buddhist book that I read was uh, um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by the Zen teacher Shunryu Suzuki. And it was a remarkable experience to read this book because as I was reading it, I felt I was reading things that I knew but didn't know that I knew. There was like this deep recognition. Oh, yes, I know this. I know this. Um, It somehow touched some parts of me. And it was, you know, that book then set me on the course of doing Buddhist practice. The, um, I find it inspiring to look at the uh, statues of the Buddha uh, because um, for me the statues, uh, the ones that are, are well done, um, represents the, f- the, the filling out of a possibility that I've recognized in small ways within myself a possibility of being free, of being peaceful, of being wise, of being compassionate. And I know that I could grow in these capacities. And to me, it's very meaningful to have met people and have the example of the Buddha, but I met people in my life who clearly have inspired me, that they, they seem to have filled out this potential in a big way, an important way. And really seeing examples of this has been you know, I don't think I could have practiced as much as I did without seeing them in a certain way, trusting and having faith or without saying, using the word refuge, having refuge in these people to showed me what's possible. Something inside of me resonated with that, touched something or it pointed to something inside of me that it was my turn to open and grow and develop. And so it isn't so much that I go for refuge, we go for refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha in some kind of blind allegiance or some kind of magical thinking that if I just kind of um, turn myself over to the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha and just trust them kind of completely, somehow I'll be taken care of. Um, it's more like uh, we recognize these how valuable and how inspiring the Buddha, the example of the Buddha is, how inspiring the Dharma, the teachings are, and the Sangha, the other people we practice with, the other people who are maturing more than us and growing and freer than us, that that this is like, again, a mirror for ourselves. This is really right. And so over and over again, the refuge is coming back here to ourselves. But it's it, there can be emotional relationship of great value of of warmth, of heartfeltness that comes in seeing it externally and 
because we're human beings and we live in connectedness. We live in relationship to each other. And uh, of course we're going to feel some kind of uh, inspired feelings, everyone a different way. Uh, if we feel and see around us in the world what we feel inside. And uh, so for some people, just uh, just the, the abstract possibility of freedom is inspiring. But at some point as we practice, the idea is to begin to really recognize something that's here for us, in us, in our experience. And then... Uh, taking our peace, taking our refuge we have, then it's possible to begin gazing upon the world in a new way. And gazing upon the world and seeing there's refuge in the world, seeing that there's much more goodness in the world than it's possible to see if we see the world through our hate or our greed or our fear and these kinds of things. The um, um, uh, Generally, uh, for all the horrible things people do to each other, there are more people who are trying to make a difference. And I think the current protests we see that are so inspiring around the country um, is that they're responding to brutality, that it's hor- horrific to see. But there are many, many more people who are coming forth to protest the brutality than are the people who are being brutal to take refuge in all this goodness, all this courage and all this, uh, that there is refuge in the world. There is possibility to, um, to see the world in a new way. And this is not meant to be naive, but to find refuge in the world, whether it's in the Buddha, Dharma and the Sangha, which are one of the great refuges, or to start recognizing those qualities, not only in oneself, but to recognize some of these qualities in the world around us. So the world itself becomes kind of a refuge because it has the qualities of what Buddhists would call qualities of the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha. This is the possibility of what happens as we mature and develop in practice. And if we're able to see the refuges in the world, then even just seeing it, begins to support that. It's kind of like food. Our seeing and recognizing and appreciating what's in the world, what's good in the world, is the the fodder or food for what's the good in the world to grow as well. Not to deny the difficulties, but to hold them in, I think, a valuable context. So I hope that um, for those of you who do have a strong, heartfelt connection to the external refuges, Buddha, Dharma, the Sangha, that uh, you continue to do so. And, but you really remember that uh, that external refuge is really not only pointing to ourselves inside, but also pointing that the inside and outside don't have to be so separated, so that there is a continuity, there is an oozing out, there is a intermingling Um, of the inner refuge and the outer refuge. And that meeting and connection of the two, uh, I would like for today to represent with the hands coming down and then bowing in refuge, out of refuge, with refuge, for the welfare and happiness of all beings. May we all discover our close, intimate, caring connection with each other 
and live in a world where we appreciate the mutual care and, and uh, support that we can give each other. May all beings be free. May all beings know that they're cared for, respected, valued, and appreciated for their depth of their beauty and great value as human beings. Thank you.